This is my Bible. It is the word of truth. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can. I'm a believer and not a doubter. I'm a doer and not just a hearer. I'm humble before the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I'm mature in the Lord. I'm enthusiastic about the Lord. I know that. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Amen. This morning's scripture is coming from John, the 15th chapter. That's John 15, starting at verse number 12, going through 15. Amen. And it reads, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. You may be seated. The title of this morning's message is, Thank You for Being a Friend. Thank you for being a friend. When I gave you my title, what happened? What thought entered your mind? Was it a song? I mean, it's okay if you said it, but I mean, it's okay. Did your mind start singing? Thank you for being a friend. Your heart is true, you're a pal and a confidant. And if you threw a party and invited everyone you knew, you will see the biggest gift would be from me. And the card attached would say, thank you for being a friend. From 1985 through 1992, that may have been one of the most familiar songs known worldwide. It was the theme music for the sitcom, The Golden Girls. The program was about four divorced ladies who lived in Miami, sharing their various experiences together and enjoying themselves despite the hard times. Although two of the ladies were mother and daughter, the group as a whole were friends. We've all heard the word friend used in many aspects. There are new friends, old friends, childhood friends, good friends, best friends, true friends, friend of the family. It is said that a 
friend in need is a friend indeed. A dog has been called man's best friend. Sometimes a person is referred to as just a friend. And that same person could be considered a friend with benefits. Mm-hmm. We gonna, mm-hmm. What is a friend? Webster's diction, definition of a friend is a person who is attached to another by affection or esteem. A person whom one knows and with whom one has a bond of mutual affection, typically exclusive of sexual or family relations. We all have, or at least at one time in our lives, have had a friend. Some of us have had the same friends since we was in kindergarten, and they're still good friends today. For example, my friend, King Fizz, the Prince of Egypt, whose given name is Rodney Corbin. I've known him for the past 46 years. I met him when I arrived at my first military assignment, Altus Air Force Base. That's the one you met, Pastor. He was very instrumental in the shaping of my young adult life. We've kept in contact like brothers. As a matter of fact, he would go to my parents' house and stay as if he was a son. He'll give me a telephone call, and we'll sit on the phone, and we talk for a few minutes. And then after a while, he'll reach the phone to my mama or my dad. That's how tight our friendship is. A few years ago, he called me and said he was coming to Fort Walton Beach to attend his grad the graduation of his granddaughter. I couldn't make the graduation, but I told him that I would make the celebration afterwards. So he told me that it was going to be at the Eglin Beach Park on Okaloosa Island. When I got to the pavilion, where the celebration was, I thought that I was in the wrong spot. Because I didn't see Fizz. I saw Brother Fred and Sister Carolyn Green. See, come to find out, Fizz's granddaughter, Madison, went to school with the Green's daughter, Sidney. He told me that, that they had been friends since they were in kindergarten or first grade when they were in Virginia. And for whatever reason, I think it was military, they had separated. And later on, they came back together in high school, and they graduated in the same year. Although the years may have separated them, when they got back together, it was as if they had never been separated. That's a good friendship. Their friendship enabled me to see and spend some time with one of my best friends. That's how God worked that out. Friends can be broken down into three types. They are friends for a reason. A lot of our friendships start out as friends for a reason. These are the people we 
work with, who we might exercise with. We may be in small church groups with them, and we may communicate with them on social media. Then there are friends for a season. These are my least favorite. Friends forever would work good for me. But sometimes things don't work out that way. I view friends for a season as the friendships we are connected with for a period of time before the relationship is lost or it comes to an end. Some friendships exist only for a certain purpose. Then there are friends for a lifetime. They are the type of friends that hang on to us no matter the storm, no matter the disappointment. Whatever disruptions come along, they're there. We usually have associates and acquaintances that we know for years. But deep friends for a lifetime are those who see us. They know us. They get us. And yet and still, they love us. I have wonderful friends for a lifetime, and I'm thankful for that every day. Some friendships just happen, and some we establish ourselves. It is important to remember that when we establish a friendship, that we take the time to check the person out. Don't just label them a friend because they sit next to you every time you go to the basketball game. They're merely seasoned ticket holders, just like you. It takes two people to have a friendship. Friendships are wonderful, but they aren't easy. They demand time and effort, and it requires that we put someone else other than ourselves first sometimes. You see, some of us are very selfish. We have a narcissistic personality and we may not even know it. That means that we have an exaggerated sense of self-importance, the persistent need for admiration. We lack the empathy for others. We take excessive pride in our achievements. We snobbish, we disrespectful. Sometimes we have a little arrogance. Back in the day, we probably called that ego tripping. How can you be somebody's friend with an attitude like that? You can't. Within a friendship, there has to be some give and take. If we are to have the type of friendships that Jesus wants us to have, we must learn to love our neighbors as ourselves. In the King James Version of the Bible, the word 
friend or any aspect of the word friend is found 52 times. Friends, plural, 49 times. Friendly, three times. Friendship, two times. I think that being somebody's friend is very important. If it were not for friendship, we wouldn't even be here today. Let us look at an example of an important friendship. Now, I didn't go and read every verse of the Bible that had the word friend in it. But in my opinion, I believe that this friendship is one of the most important ones that is spoken about in the Bible. It is a model of loyalty to truth and friendship. This example of true friendship is between David and King Saul's son, Jonathan, who, in spite of his father, Saul, who pursued David and attempted to kill him, stood by his friend. He was loyal to David until the end. Loyalty is a very important part of any friendship or any relationship. It is a virtue for sustaining friendship. In friendship, loyalty means the act of being supportive, trustworthy, and most of all, honest with your friend. A loyal friend is a friend who always stands by you when every other person abandons you. They are the type of friends who aren't afraid to defend you in your absence. We often speak of defending the faith, standing bold for what we believe, speaking up for Jesus, in his absence, I want you to ask yourself this question. Have you been loyal to Jesus? Don't drift away on me this morning. Please. I'm talking about friends and friendship. The reason that I ask you if you were loyal to Jesus is because you and I are human. Our loyalty is subject to change. You can say that it won't, but it can. And when it does, it can be painful for the one who was unaware that the change had taken place. Because for all of the time, they were continually being loyal to you. If you watch the news, you can see that some people who were loyal to that orange dude are now starting to switch sides. And here's a side note. Our loyalty to each other and to the Lord is not perfect. <laughs> but his loyalty to us is. If you would, if you have your Bibles, you can 
Turn to 1 Samuel 18. 1 Samuel 18. Remember, we're speaking of the friendship of David and Jonathan. And it reads, Now, thank you, Lord. I got it. Now, when he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Saul took him that day and would not let him go home to his father's house anymore. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even to his sword and his bow and his belt. Now, I'd like to read that to you again from the NIV version. It says, after David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Now, I remember reading that somewhere else in the Bible. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow and his belt. David and Jonathan are well known for their close friendship. 1 Samuel 18 talks about the knitting of the two men's souls. The Greek word used for knitted or knit is kesar and means to tie or to bind together. And that is exactly the kind of relationship that David and Jonathan had with one another. Jonathan gave his robe and armor to David. Basically, he was honoring David above himself and stripping himself of his princely position. You see, Jonathan's father was King Saul. Now, isn't that something? Isn't that an amazing way to start a friendship? Basically what happened was Jonathan got off of his throne where he was probably seated at the right hand of his father. He got rid of all of his royal attire so that he can become and be just as David, a regular person. The way that he did that, it reminded me of something and of somebody. But you know what? When Jonathan did this, they had to be on the battlefield or close to it because David 
had just killed Goliath. Jonathan and David's friendship was special. They were really tight. Some of you may know the whole story and some may not. We don't have the time to go through it, so just let me give you a brief synopsis of what happened. Jealousy. King Saul got jealous. That's what happened. You see, jealousy can kill friendships, and it can kill relationships. King Saul became jealous of David, but it wasn't his fault. When you have time, go back and start reading from 1 Samuel 16. And you will see that this David that had just killed Goliath is the same David that played the harp for King Saul to give him peace when the distressed spirit of the Lord came upon him. At that time, David's popularity had overshadowed King Saul's, and he became very angry, angry, so much so to that he wanted to kill David. If you go and if you were to read 1 Samuel 18, starting at verse 5, you would read, So David went out wherever Saul sent him and behaved wisely. Now remember, David just killed Goliath, but David wasn't in the army. He wasn't old enough to be in the army. He said he was about 18 or so, and you had to be at least 20 to be in the army. Jonathan was in the army, so that means he was a little bit older, and Jonathan had some victories under his belt, so that meant that he was a seasoned warrior. David, 18, a little boy. And it says, and Saul set him over the men of war. And he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. Now it happened as they were coming home when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistine, Goliath, that the women had come out of all of the cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul. They had tambourines, and they were singing with joy and with musical instruments. So the women sang as they danced, and they said, Saul has slain his thousands. Can you imagine when King Saul heard that? He being the king and being victorious, chances are he was in front of the army as they were riding in. They didn't have no cars back then because if they had a car, he might have been in a limousine. But they had horses. He might have even been in a chariot. His horse might have been a, a Tennessee walk. Anybody know what a Tennessee walk is? They don't just walk like a regular horse. They walk with some style. That could have been his horse. Saul slayed his thousands. And then they kept singing it and they said, and David his ten thousands. Today, if it would have been David, he might have been 
rolling in a vest. Music banging. And when they hollering, talking about David and his 10,000, he probably riding through, bobbing his head. Yeah. Rolling. His chariot. Behind the king. He probably was just looking and bowing his head as the people were singing, as the ladies were singing his 10,000. That didn't go over so well with the king. Verse 8 says, Then Saul was very angry, and the saying displeased him. And he said, They have ascribed to David's 10,000, and to me they have ascribed only thousands. Now what more can he have but the king? He thought that David was coming to get his king. So Saul eyed David from that day forward. Jealousy. Not to mention God had left King Saul and David was now anointed. You got to go back and read the whole story. But Jonathan's loyalty and friendship that he had with David made him stand up to his father, King Saul. In 1 Samuel, the 19th chapter, it says, Now Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son, and to all his servants, that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted greatly in David. So Jonathan told David, saying, My father seeks to kill you. Therefore, please be on your guard until morning and stay in a secret place and hide. And I will go and stand beside my father in the field where you are. And I will speak with my father about you. Then what I observe, I will tell you. Thus Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, Let not the king sin against his servant, against David, because he has not sinned against you, and because his works have been very good toward you. For he took his life in his hand and killed the Philistine, and the Lord brought about a great deliverance for all Israel. You saw it. And rejoice. Why then will you sin against innocent blood to kill David without a cause? So Saul heeded the voice of Jonathan, and Saul swore, As the Lord lives, he shall not be killed. Then Jonathan called to David, and Jonathan told him all these things. So Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he was in his presence as in times past. You see, the king <laughs> tried to kill David. The type of friendship that Jonathan showed towards David is the type of friendship that Jesus wants us to show. Jonathan was the perfect friend for David at this time. He looked out for David without even knowing that he was fulfilling one of the commandments that our Lord and Savior would institute at a future time. That being, he loved David as he loved himself. 
And you know what? He almost fulfilled the portion of the scripture that says, greater love hath no man than to lay down his life for a friend. In 1 Samuel, the 20th verse, we see that his father, King Saul, was so upset with him because he had given David permission not to be present at the feast of the new moon. That he threw a spear at him with the intent to kill. And verse 31 tells us why. For as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, you shall not be established, nor your kingdom. Now therefore, send and bring him to me, for he shall surely die. Now I don't know what happened in verse number 32. Maybe Jonathan might have put a little bit too much base in his voice when he was talking to the king. Because in verse 33, his daddy tried to kill him. Brothers, have any of you ever had that experience? I did. My daddy wasn't playing either. In 1 Samuel 20, 32, it says, and Jonathan answered Saul, his father, and said to him, why should he be killed? What has he done? Verse 33 says, then Saul cast a spear at him to kill him, by which Jonathan knew that it was determined by his father to kill David. Mm -hmm. I guess he was really mad kill his own son for asking him a question. Now that Jonathan knew the intentions of his father, he went to the appointed place where he and David were to meet. They spoke about the situation and they said their goodbyes. Verse 41 reads, as soon as the lad had gone, David rose from a place toward the south fell on his face to the ground and bowed down three times. And they kissed one another and they wept together. But David more so. Then Jonathan said to David, go in peace. Since we have both sworn in the name of the Lord, saying, may the Lord be between you and me, and between your descendants and my descendants forever. So he arose and departed. And Jonathan went into the city. I can envision David walking in one direction. And I can see Jonathan going in the other direction. I can see that after a few steps, David turns around and calls out, Jonathan, 
Jonathan. Jonathan turns around and looks at him and says, yes. And David looks at him and says, thank you for being a friend. We all in our life wish that we could have a friend like Jonathan. Jonathan risked his life for his friend. God used their friendship to preserve David for the throne. David, too, had deep loyalties to Jonathan. In the first chapter of 2 Samuel, when you read it, you can read of King David's wailing over the death of Saul and Jonathan. Even though Saul had been an enemy to David, the new king sought out someone from Saul's family that he might show him kindness for the sake of Jonathan. When you read the story, it'll tell you who it is. David's sense of loyalty to Jonathan and his gratefulness for their friendship outweighed the hostility between Saul and David. I have acquaintances, and I have friends. I have good friends. I have a few best friends. I have a true friend. But oh, oh, oh. What a friend I have in Jesus. Is it okay if I tell you about my friend? My friend, who was seated at the right hand of his father, got up, gave up all of his deity to come down in the form of a man to walk amongst us. My friend, as he walked among us, he taught even those who were educated and thought that they knew all of the scriptures, he taught them. My friend, while he walked on this earth, he healed the sick. He raised the dead. My friend. Sometimes he had to ask, act as if he was a, a lawyer and settle some cases. My friend was misunderstood. My friend was ridiculed. My friend, he was lied on. My friend, they beat him. 
my friend. They put him up on the cross. My friend didn't say a mumbling word. When they hung him up on the cross, he hung there, and he hung there for you and for me. My friend is your friend also. You see, when they had my friend up on the cross, as he was hanging there, my friend said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. While he was on the cross, my friend told the repentance thief that today you shall be with me in paradise. While he was up on the cross, my friend looked down at his mother and said, Mother, behold thy son, and looked at his friend and told his friend, Behold thy mother. My friend, while he was up on the cross, you see, at one moment he couldn't understand and he looked up at his father and said, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? But realizing that he had to keep on going, my friend, my friend said that he was thirsty. And then they tried to give him drink, but what they tried to give him, he didn't want. So he turned his head against it. My friend, as he was up on the cross, realizing that he had already completed his mission on earth to come here and to save those who were lost, when he realized that it was almost time for him to go, he said, it is finished. My friend, when he realized that he was finished, he looked up at his father. He said, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. And then he hung his head and he died. My friend, they took him down off the cross and put him in a borrowed tomb. You see, my friend had told somebody, when you lay me down, I'm going to get up in three days. They put him in the tomb, put a rock in front of it, put a seal on it, put some soldiers in front of it, because they didn't want what my friend had said to come true. But early, early, see, y'all can't hear this organ that's going on in my head. Early, early on Sunday morning, my friend, he got up with all power in his hand. And to this day, my friend still walks with me. He talks with me, and he tells me that I am his own. I'm talking about my friend. You see, it's not just a part of of, of him just being my friend. You see, he, he came with a purpose. He came to be the perfect sacrifice for us. You see, nobody's blood was good enough. Only his blood. You see, and I'm glad that it ain't nowadays because scientists, they want to get together and see how many molecules they can put together so they can try to manufacture something. 
They manufacturing things for COVID. They manufacturing things for all types of diseases. You know, nowadays, they might have tried to manufacture Jesus' blood, but they can't do that. See, his pure blood. Nobody's blood is like Jesus because his blood reaches from the highest mountain. It flows through the lowest valley. His blood, it might be crimson red, but it washed me whiter than snow. I'm talking about the blood this morning. Y'all need to excuse me. I may not get a chance to talk to you no more. But this morning, I'm going to let you know. I'm letting you know. Oh, glory, hallelujah. Oh, glory. This may be my last time. But if it is, just know, my friend. Oh, glory. Oh, glory. Oh, Lord. Lord. My friend. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Oh, glory. Our truest friend is Jesus. The scripture text says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this. That someone lay down his life for his friend. You are my friend if you do what I command. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends for all that I have heard from my father. I have made known to you. He ain't holding nothing back. Everything that his father told you, it's in this book. You want to make it to heaven? Follow the instructions that he give you in his book. Don't deviate. Don't go around it. You might be smooth with your words. You might be able to fool other people. You can't fool God. <laughs> Y'all need to listen to me. Do you know, Faith? Listen. I know what I'm talking about. I'm not speaking from no rumors. People talk about how do rumors get started. Y'all know how. I ain't speaking from rumors. Hallelujah. 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 Be a friend. Be a friend. Friends are like-minded. They love one another with sacrificial love. They share with one another from the heart. 
Friends know each other well and promote one another's welfare. We are blessed to have been adopted into the family of God, and we are privileged to have been called friends of Jesus. In return, we are called to be good friends to one another. Friendship doesn't come from us, it comes from God. And he gives us everything that we need through his word and his spirit to cultivate it well, all for his glory. According to the Bible, true friendship is characterized by love. We saw it today in the story of Jonathan and David, and we see it each and every day through Jesus, because Jesus is As I close, I just have a question for you that you need to ponder. What type of friends are you? Amen? All heads bowed and all eyes closed. I have four appeals for you this morning. The first appeal is for salvation. If there's anybody in here or online under the sound of my voice who does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, this morning, right now, is a good opportunity to accept him into your life. Tomorrow's not promised. The rest of the day is not promised. If you don't know Jesus, come to him. Come to him. I see no hand. The second appeal is for the gift of the Holy Spirit as being evident in speaking in tongues. If you want to learn more about the Holy Spirit, if you raise your hand, someone will get with you and they will give you some literature that you can read up on to find out everything that you need to know. The next appeal is for church membership. Pastor Bolden would welcome you with open arms as a member of Striving for Perfection Ministries, if you choose to be. We're the perfect church for those who are trying to be. If you would like to become a member, please raise your hand. Or if you're online, if you will call 850-862-3899, somebody will answer the phone. And if they don't answer, leave a message. And somebody from the admin staff We'll get back with you. I see no hands. Right now it's prayer time. If you would like to, you can go to God in your own way. You can stand at your seat. You can sit where you are. God hears you wherever you are, at whatever moment. Father, we thank you for bringing us to this time. God, we pray that your message went out and did what it was intended to do, Lord. Touch the heart or touch the mind. Lord, we just pray that the example of Jonathan and David's friendship, Lord. We just pray that our friendship, Lord, could be as 
as strong, oh Lord. We just ask you to be in the midst, Lord. Be the core of our friendship, oh Lord God. God, we thank you for this day, oh Lord. Father, for those who wanted to make it and couldn't for whatever reason, Lord. God, we just say thank you. And we give you all glory, all honor, and all praise. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Give the Lord a hand, clap, and pray.